Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning will be in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. If you're not familiar with scripture, there should be a black Bible in front of you there in the pew. And you can find this text on page 976. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. He did this according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we are beyond grateful for the unbelievable blessing described in that text of Scripture. You have given us everything we need for salvation and provided it in Christ, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. We pray for our pastor as he preaches this morning that you would use him to explain this text, that we would all walk away from this church this morning with a greater understanding of what you have done for us in Christ. We pray for those who are among us this morning who have never come to a place where they have realized these blessings in their own lives, that you would open their hearts, that you would illuminate their minds, that they would see Jesus for who he truly is. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. At a uh, person's funeral, someone typically stands up or several people typically stand up and deliver a eulogy to speak well of the one who has died, to talk about that person's character, to give examples of that character through stories from his or her life. In fact, the very definition of a eulogy is good words spoken about another person. These are good words. And actually, though we only associate that with funerals, strictly speaking, the definition doesn't limit itself to a funeral. And we always give a eulogy, if you've ever done that at a funeral, we do that based on good reasoning. We know the one who has died. This is why, actually, I prefer to not give the eulogy on behalf of someone that I don't know. I think it's actually always better for a good friend, 
or a family member, if they feel they can, to either deliver the eulogy or write it at least so that I can use their words because they have typically more experience with that person. But we have good reasons, right? If you have done that, the words you spoke, you didn't just make it up. It was based on your knowledge of them. We appreciate and we praise people and we eulogize people because of what we know about them. Now, as a Christian, why praise God? Now, it's certainly true that God commands us to praise many times, doesn't He? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. He tells us to sing. He tells us to come into His courts with thanksgiving, all of these things. But it is not, if it's only out of a sense of duty that we do this, then our praise falls short. In fact, that was part of the problem in the Old Testament, wasn't it? That the people of God honored Him with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. The heart is engaged in the praise when we actually know the God to whom we sing, when we revel in who He is and what He has done. Truly, the truth that we know about God fuels our praise of God. Jim Boyce, who was a pastor in Philadelphia for many years, he has gone to be with the Lord, said that doctrine, if rightly understood, leads to doxology. If we discover who God is and what He has done for us, we will praise Him. Now, we see this actually in many places in the New Testament. I'll just give you two as an example. In Revelation chapter 4, we read, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And that's actually what's happening in Ephesians 1, isn't it? As Paul begins, we get caught up in all of the ways that God has blessed us, and that is rightfully so. We ought to get caught up into it. It ought to capture our hearts. It ought to capture our imagination. It ought to capture our souls. It ought to not lose its grip on us at any point in life. But it's actually to feed the fountain of the first word in in verse 3. Blessed. Blessed be the God. Paul is eulogizing not a God who is dead, but a God who is very much alive and active and at work in the world. Paul begins with the Greek word from which we actually get the word, eulogy. He speaks well of God. He praises God. He blesses God. And then he composes this uh, sentence, which is essentially 202 words in Greek, a sentence that grows in theological size and strength as it rolls on like a snowball in a cartoon, right, that begins at the top of the hill, very, very small, and it rolls and it gets bigger and it gets faster until it smacks something at the bottom. It's like a, a, a mind shaft in which every, around every corner, the deeper that you go, the more treasure that you find. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we might be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth, 
In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Period. And over the next six weeks, we're going to travel down this glorious mine shaft and look at these things one at a time. And we could do it all in one sermon. We could preach Ephesians because it's all one idea that just builds on and builds on and builds on. But it is such, it, it, it's, it's, it's like trying to wade through syrup. It's so thick. I mean, you just don't want to move too fast from any of these ideas. And so we're going to take each one in turn. And we're going to think about how God has blessed us but in turn, we're going to think about why we should bless God. And I would encourage you to follow my example and memorize these verses. If you memorize two every week, you will be done by the time the series is over. The way that I did it, it was not original to me. I did one verse a day, and I would just do the first verse and the first verse all day long, and as I would walk from one place to the other, I would recite it in my mind, and as I went to another place, I just recited it in my mind, and that was my devotion. That was it. That word. I just think on it, and then the next day, I would just add the next verse, not to do separately, but to do together, so it became like a running snowball down the hill. I would encourage you to, to take that up, to memorize it, word for word. Even I noticed in my Bible that I was using my phone because my phone is always with me. My paper Bible is not. It's a different edition so that uh, my, my, my phone says, uh, uh, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. So that, w that was not an error according to my phone. But according to the Pew Bibles, that was wrong. So uh, there you go. You can settle that on your own time. But what we're going to do today is we're going to zoom in on just verse 3. The idea being that we bless God because He first blessed us. We bless God because He first blessed us. So let's begin just by thinking about the fact that God has blessed us. God has blessed us. And I want to just use a few questions to think about what we mean here. First, what does it mean that God blesses? I mean, we use that language so often, we can almost use it in such a way that we don't even remember what it means. Bless the missionaries, bless my friends, bless my family, bless the food. I mean, some food is beyond blessing, but we still eat it, right? But Bless the food. God bless America. What, what exactly are we saying when we, when we pray bless anything? The idea is essentially that we are asking God to do good. To, when God blesses, He does good for the one He blesses. He communicates good to the one He blesses. He gives good gifts to the one He blesses. We just said that one way we can talk about blessing, and we'll come to this, is to, is to uh, speak well of others. God, God does not sit around, when God blesses us, He's not sitting around gushing over how wonderful we are. God actually communicates good to us out of His own goodness. He pours out good on us rather than gushing over us. That's what it means for God to bless. That's just the most general sense. So that we see different kinds of blessings represented in the Scriptures. And we'll get to some of those in just a moment. But the next question is, whom has God blessed? 
Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, who is he talking about? Is he talking about every single human being? Is that the us that we're supposed to think about? Well, now, friends, there is a sense in which God generally blesses human beings. Blessings that are not earned or deserved, blessings that are not exclusive to Christians. The Bible tells us that God gives to every man life and their breath and their very being. Every day we wake up and live. The rest that we get when we sleep at night, the paycheck that we earn, the food on our table, the house that keeps us sheltered, the long life that we give, the health that we enjoy, the marriage we have, the children we have, the grandchildren we have, the friends that we have, an evening of fun and laughter, and on and on. These are good things to enjoy. And as Christians... We, of all people, should know where such things come from. We, of all people, should be the first to recognize them and in our prayers and in our conversations attribute them to God. This is actually, if you're looking for an evangelistic door into your friend's life, maybe the knock on the door is to attribute the blessing that they are talking about that is so wonderful in their life, attributing it to the one to whom praise belongs. Well, hasn't the Lord blessed you with such a beautiful family? How kind of the Lord to give you that diagnosis. Well, praise the Lord for that raise. Right? It's just a knock. They may not answer the door. (laughs) But you, you want to be in presenting yourself as a believer who is their friend, as one who lives life and thinks of life as lived all before God, that the blessing even in this unbeliever's life of their new home is from the Lord. Now, we should beware, though, when we think about these general blessings, we cannot, we cannot use them as a measuring stick of our relationship with God, right? That uh, if, if, if temporal blessings, we can't believe, begin to believe that temporal blessings somehow are equal to a right relationship with God, as if the more blessings I have in these areas, the more God must love me or the more assured I am that He accepts me. That is simply not true. But we should recognize them as blessing. But that's not the kind of blessing he's talking about, and that's not the us he's talking about. He's not, Paul's not talking generally about the general way that God sends rain on the just and the unjust. Paul is speaking of us strictly as himself and the audience that he's writing to. We. God has blessed us. And who is this? This is, in verse 12, the ones who hope in Christ Verse 13, the ones who believed in Him, the one who's, who received the gospel, the ones who in chapter 2, He will go on to say, have been saved by grace through faith. The us here in verse 3 is the Christian. Paul is describing the blessings that are only given to those who belong to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So now the big question then, now that we know kind of generally that what that means is God has done a particular kind of good to these people, these people being Christians, how is it that God has blessed us? How is it, Christian, that God has blessed you? You know, when you ask people that, the first thing that they go for is all those general blessings we just talked about, right? Paul doesn't reach for a one of them. Paul dips his pen in the ink, so to speak, to tell us, to show us where the fountain of blessing really lies, that not just that we enjoy it in this life, but it is to be enjoyed for all eternity. Blessings for this life are wonderful, but they are temporal. That's the thing, isn't it? 
Think, just think about, okay, just think about things in the Bible that are described as blessing. Having children. God even describes in Exodus 23 the removal of sickness and, and restoration of health as a blessing. Provision from the Lord in order to buy food and, and, and those kinds of things. That is counted as a blessing in the Bible. But do you know these, these general blessings, do you know what is true of all of them? Is they are not universal in type or in degree. Right? The level of health that we enjoy varies. The length of life that we live varies. The ability to have children varies. So that, uh, I mean, even provision, right? The, the amount of provision, the kind of provision varies. But the blessings that Paul writes about here are for every Christian in their fullness. In their fullness. They are ours now. That's why he writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. It's a verb that mean, that refers to a completed action. God has blessed us. They are ours now. They are ours forever. So what, what is this? What is the actual answer to how God has blessed us? First, He has blessed us in Christ. That's what He says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. The blessings He is going to lay out, the blessings of the believer come in Christ. They come through Christ. They come because of Christ. And they don't come any other way. They can't be received apart from the person and work of Jesus. You cannot enjoy the blessings we are going to see. You do not enjoy the blessings we are going to see unless you are in Christ in union with Him by faith, trusting Him, believing in Him. To be brought into that close relationship with God in Christ so that what is true of Christ in God's eyes is true of you. His death to sin is your death to sin. His righteousness is your righteousness. His resurrection to new life is your resurrection to newness of life now and will be your resurrection in the future forever and ever. You see, the thing is, is that in the beginning, uh, Adam and Eve were placed in a blessed world. Everything was blessed. There was no end to the blessing. There was no limit to the blessing. There was, there, there was no temporality in that sense to the blessing. But because of sin, through Adam and Eve's sin, it was all ruined. So that nothing is now as it was in the beginning. The curse of sin taints Everything, including us. We aren't just physical descendants of Adam. We are spiritual descendants of Adam. He is our head when we are born. We are in Adam by birth. We are sinners by nature as well as sinners by choice. And we have earned the sentence that God pronounced in the garden, which is death. Blessing out the window. Blessing gone. And you know what the deception of the enemy is now? That the temporal and general blessings are all the blessings that we really need to pursue. It's the only blessing that really matters. That's why the celebrity can stand up and with confidence say, and being deceived in their hearts say, well, I'm just blessed. And it's the measuring of one's life and relationship with God by temporal blessings that is a great deception of the enemy today. I wish I could say it was just outside the church, friends, but it's not. You can flip on many a channel and hear men who teach and hear women who teach who will tell you that God's plan is not for you to ever lack anything, ever. 
And the Jesus that they are preaching once said to the disciples, The poor you will always have with you. The poor in Macedonia are exalted for their generosity. The widow who has basically nothing is held up as exemplary. The blessings that Paul speaks of, the blessings that matter, the blessings that last, are not in Adam. They are in Christ. And when, by God's grace, we come to repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, we are brought into union with Him. We abide and we come into faith, but we come into Christ by faith, and we abide in Christ by faith. And being in Christ, the blessing He deserves is poured on my unworthy soul. So that Romans 5 says, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And then in 1 Corinthians, For as in Adam all die, yet in Christ shall all be made alive. Outside of Christ there is only the curse of death. In Christ there is only the blessing of life. That even, even if he dies, yet shall he live. Isn't that glorious? Aren't you thankful that you're in Christ? For those of you who may be investigating religion, dear friend, it gets you nothing. All of your investigations may... In, enhance your intellect, but unless you are in Christ, unless you believe in Him, unless by grace you accept Him, unless you are trusting His death for your sin, His merits as your only hope to stand before God, your investigation means nothing. Don't study Jesus as if he were a figure behind a glass pane at a museum that you are interested in knowing more about. Turn from your sin and trust in Jesus and just come on in to Christ. We are blessed in Christ. Secondly, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's what he says. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, a couple of things to note. First, these are spiritual blessings, meaning the way the word spiritual is used in the New Testament is primarily, if not exclusively, with regard to the work of the Holy Spirit. That it is the Spirit who ushers, us, ushers to us these blessings. It is only the work of the Spirit by which we are blessed. The, blessing, the blessings in that sense are spiritual. But also the blessings are complete. Every spiritual blessing. A few years ago, uh, a group of seven of us went to India to see the work of Delhi Bible Institute. And part of that seeing the work was to travel around from one place to another. And one thing I learned about Kevin and Polly is that they know how to travel. They know how to travel. They have done it a long time, and they have done it exceedingly well. So that on the trip, if anyone needed anything for any reason, they had it. I mean, it was aspirin, needle and thread, ping pong ball, waffle iron... It was in her fanny pack. I don't even know how she, she got it in there. It was just like a magic bag that she just, wah. But there was never a circumstance where we thought, oh, man, I wish we had that Kevin or Polly wouldn't say, oh, yeah, yeah, I brought that. I needed that when I was in, da, 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 you know. And it's just like anything we could ever need was right there. It was just right at your fingers. You just, it's there. And dear friends, in the realm of the soul... God has provided everything that we need in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Wrap your minds around this. There is no gap in the goodness of God toward his children. There is nothing you lack that he has not supplied. There is nothing you need that he has not provided. Nothing. Nothing. If you don't have the money for your electric bill this month, it is not because God is not good toward you. You understand? God is not the genie who runs along and gives everything. Sometimes it's as simple as looking at how many times I ate at a restaurant instead of a sandwich at home, right? And then I say, oh, well, God is not holding out on me. I'm being foolish. And sometimes it is simply that. Susan and I can attest to this over and over and over and over again. And many of you can do the same. Of not knowing how that money is ever going to happen, but just trusting the Lord and not doubting His goodness and keep walking forward. And the Lord provides. And you know what? There were times when the Lord did not provide and the time we felt like it had to be provided. And you trust the Lord. Why? Because that is not the evidence of whether God has blessed me or not. In our weakness, He is seen as strong. The testimony of your continued faithfulness in the midst of not knowing about provision is an incredible testimony to the unbelievers around you. But nothing our soul needs is unprovided in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. If you are a believer in Jesus and you begin to doubt, you begin to think God is holding out on you, I would urge you, go back to Ephesians 1.3. Go back to 2 Peter 1.3. Understand what it is that God has done for you. Understand that even though life is pressing in on you, there is no resource that His Spirit teaching you and equipping you through His Word, there is no circumstance that you cannot walk through with faithfulness. And all of the blessings that we will look at in future weeks are part of this every. God's election, our adoption, our redemption, our inheritance, His Holy Spirit. You just, look, if you just soak in the truth of those five things, do you know how different our worldview would be? Our view of suffering, our view of sin, our view of redemption, our view of the world, our view of our life. Our view of our circumstances, our view of our family, our view of our nation, everything changes. Think of how we could just spew on and on like Paul does if we really wrapped our mind around what God has done for us in Jesus. This is why I think anecdotally, this is a guess, this is part of the reason why believers who are younger in their faith cannot shut up about it. Because they are coming to grips with magnanimous realities, huge truths, the massive grace of God in their own life, and they, just like Paul, just cannot help but... And I wonder if for some of us who have been in the faith for a long time, just need to revisit some of the greatness of the gospel to get our mouths moving again and engaging the world with the gospel.
every spiritual blessing. Next, in the heavenly places. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This phrase only exists in the book of Ephesians. And it's several times. We are seated in the heavenly places. Um, We don't war against flesh and blood, but against the powers, against the principalities, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, That the church in chapter 3, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy the benefits of God's spiritual blessings in this life. We do. But part of, it, part of this heavenly places should point our minds and our eyes beyond this world. That our blessings don't originate here. They actually originate in heaven. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. These blessings mark us as belonging to heaven so that we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. So that we can say our citizenship is in heaven. These heavenly blessings equip us for holy living. So that Colossians 3 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And the implication three verses later is, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Don't just think about what's heavenly and not earthly. Think about what's heavenly so that you can put to death what is earthly. And these blessings will be fully enjoyed in heaven. Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How has he blessed us? In Christ, with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly places. Now there are two others I'm just going to barely mention. Because they're in the whole of the text, but not in this verse. One is by grace. He has blessed us by grace. Look down at the end of verse 5, going into verse 6. According to the purpose of His will, purpose there is less like this rigid, uh, non-emotional plan as it is God's good pleasure. It is pleasing to God according to His pleasurable plan. God is pleased to do all of these things according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. You see how that brings to end what is in some ways what started up in verse 3? We have another blessed there. And we have in the Beloved. Who is the Beloved One? Jesus. So we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in, in Christ. And then down here, with which we have been blessed in the Beloved. All right? So it is by His grace, His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Dear friend, our lives don't leverage the blessings of God. Our works don't leverage the blessing of God. Not these blessings. These are given freely by His grace. Election, adoption, redemption, inheritance the Spirit, all given by His grace. To be blessed, then, is not to be proud. Right? To be blessed is not to be proud because I am blessed. and It is to walk in humility. It is not to be uh, uh, proud. It is to be humble because... Blessing has nothing to do with me. Not this blessing. This blessing has everything to do with God and nothing to do with you. The more that we understand that, the more we will be right, right thinkers in our, in, in, our, in our gospel meditations, in our gospel presentations. The more that we just go back to the fact that God's redemption, God's election... God's adoption, the presence of the Spirit in my life, the fact that I have a home in heaven, the fact that I will be in the new heavens and new earth, the fact that I will be freed from sin forever, the fact that I have peace with God, 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. These have nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. That's why it says, to the praise of His glorious grace. Because praise should emit from one who understands such things. By grace. So what does it mean to be a Christian? It does not mean to do certain works. It does not mean to follow Jesus' example. It does not mean to be a religious person. It does not mean to live a moral life. Fundamentally, it means to be a recipient of God's grace. That by no merit of my own do I have forgiveness or eternal life. That only by the merits of Christ received through faith. He lived a life that earned the blessing I enjoy. He took the curse that my sin deserves. And because of that, I am freed from the curse, a recipient of blessing. It is all because of grace. Grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. And it is finally for His glory. Don't miss this. If, if what I said is true, and that the blessing of God in your life and the blessing of God in my life, these spiritual blessings are not about you and they're not about me, they're about God, then it makes sense that not only the method by which we are blessed is about God, but the reason that we are blessed is about God. That's why in verse 6, that's why in verse 12, That's why in verse 14, he says, to the praise of His glorious grace, to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. It is not, we are the, we are the on the way reason. We are the intermediate reason. We we happen to be in the path of the great tsunami of the glory of God. And we get shaken by it, and we get stirred by it, and we get rocked by it, and we get wrecked by it, and we get saved by it. But it's on the way somewhere else. It's on the way to the throne of God so that all of creation is screaming out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of His glory. That's why He does this. And Him being the most exalted being in the whole universe is what is best for us. That's what is best. It sounds very in the clouds, doesn't it? Just bring it down to where your feet hit the earth. And when you are suffering and you see in the Scriptures that you ought to Live for the glory of God in the midst of your suffering. Know this, that living for the glory of God, just like your ultimate salvation is for the glory of God, living for the glory of God in this moment is what is best for you. It is not necessarily the changing of circumstances or the relief of the suffering. It is the glory of God. The glory of God. The glory of God. That is what strengthens your soul. That is, what he, that, that, that is where life is aimed. That is where eternity is aimed. The blessing is meant to increase the glory that we give to God, to clarify in our minds and in our hearts the glorious nature of who He is, His greatness, His grace, His majesty, His generosity. And so, because God has blessed us, point two, we bless God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the past, God was known as the God of Abraham, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was God and His his name, the names that followed God were associated with the promises that He had made, with the covenant that He had made. 
But now and forevermore, he is and will always be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because this is the covenant that he has established. This is the new covenant. This is where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was going the whole time was to Jesus Christ. And we call out, bless him. He is not only the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is our God and Father. So that Jesus says in John 20, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. But please be clear, the way that we bless God is different than the way that He blesses us. God blesses us by doing good for us. We bless God by recognizing good in Him. He blesses us by communicating good to us so that we are changed. We bless Him by communicating His unchanging goodness back to Him in praise. We bless God. You know why? You know why it has to be that way? Because God is no one's beneficiary. Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He blesses us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places by His grace, for His glory. He gives us everything we need for life and for godliness to know and to love and to enjoy Him forever. And His blessing in our lives reverberates back in praise, in blessing with all of our souls, with all of our lives, with all that we are. We sing with the psalmist, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then the psalm finishes. Bless the Lord, O you His angels. You mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers. Do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works. In all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. How else can we respond to such a God except to bless Him? To enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and to enter His courts with praise. To say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will ever be on my lips bless him gray road bless him we bless God because he first blessed us my prayer is that in the coming weeks we will stand in awe together of the God who has blessed us and our souls will swell with blessing once again for Him. That He will renew souls that love to bless Him because of how He has blessed us in Christ to the praise of His glory. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you humbled in awe that you, a God who never need speak to us, interact with us, or certainly bless us, has chosen by your grace to bless us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 
We give thanks to you for that. We praise you for that. We bless the Lord. We pray by your grace we will not forget your benefits. We pray, Father, that we as a congregation will be marked by the by the observable nature of these blessings in our lives. That we belong to you, that you have done good to us, that we are holy and blameless before you, that we are part of your family, that our sin has been forgiven and we have been set free from it. That your spirit dwells within us and that our hope is not in this world but beyond it. We pray, Father, for those in our families, those who are our friends, our co-workers who don't yet know you. We pray, Lord, that you would give us courage and wisdom to speak well of you, to eulogize you in their presence, to speak of your goodness, your greatness, your grace, your generosity. We pray that through our preaching of the gospel that more and more people will be able to say that they are blessed in Christ. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take just a moment to reflect on...